Welcome to Double Fries No Slaw. It is Sunday. Bro, March. that intro is so intense. <laughs> Do you like that intro? I was wondering what one was doing there. You it's don't like much. that video? It's too much. That video is I I okay, awesome. so Bourbon on Budget. Let's jump right into it. Bourbon on Welcome to Double Fries No Slaw. TJ Pinger, Richie Barnes, Brandon Sonone of Knowles 247 here with us today. The the Bourbon on a Budget intro really good right like you like that one because you made I, it i mean, right? I mean my taste and in intro i have ska playing on my podcast we have some weird folksy music so maybe i'm not the one to i, I like a simplified intro. that feels like a is it the music or the video that's too much for you that feels like kind of a bar theme i like the mm. electric guitar in there it's quick it's like 10 seconds so you know something you never mind um, i think it Oh, hey. Um, kid show. <laughs> I, I just like it's a quick, it feels, I, but it does feel like a sports bar theme to me. The guitar, see, I think it's the guitar that did it for me. That was a little, this is the vibe that you guys have. Like, if it leaves a laid back podcast, and I, I feel like I want to punch someone after hearing that. Like, I just want to rage. Well, you can punch me if you weren't four hours away. You can punch me in two weeks. Okay. It's a date. But I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Harlan's. I'm, you see Harlan's muscles today. I'm gonna get him on you if you punch me. Oh, I saw like Harlan's. It's not gonna work out good for you. <laughs> we'll Double tries, no slaw. We'll get going and we will talk some FSU football spring scrimmage yesterday. Close to the public, but uh, the scoop man himself is on the podcast instead of um, just reading your report and regurgitating it ourselves like some people we figured we would just bring you on to talk about it so that you can continue on with the credit but before we do that double fries no slaw brought to you by guthrie's in tallahassee you can visit both their locations at 1818 west tennessee and 2550 north monroe be like brendan sinone and get your barbecue your fried chicken whatever it ends up being double fries no slaw you said you got barbecue yesterday at red shed is that where you went? I went to Four Rivers yesterday, and they asked Ooh. what I wanted for my side, and it wasn't even—I wasn't thinking of you guys. It just happened. I was like double fries, you were and thinking, I was like, "Damn, it's a—it's—it's it's happening. It's a—it's a movement." You don't go for the jalapeno poppers there. I did. So the missus yeah, got double say, fries for hers, and I got, and I got the uh, jalapeno uh, with the the jalapeno with bacon. Uh, Around it, yeah, bacon wrapped yeah, jalapeno, poppers. and uh, they're not poppers though. Poppers they're fried. Oh, so you're right, you're right. These are cream cheese filled, and then they have the bacon around them. And then I got a little of the jalapeno cornbread. So yeah, it was a little uh, spicy snow mood yesterday. Spicy snow. Can we? <laughs> I uh, I'm with Richie there. They're um, they're uh, I hate to agree with Richie, but their baked beans are so good. Like mm-hmm. that's, I've got to get their baked beans every time I go. There's got to be so uh, much sugar in those baked beans, right? Like, oh my so goodness, sweet. like an yeah. entire pound of sugar. If you run out of sweet tea, you can just drink the baked beans. <laughs> <laughs> the key is you got to throw the hot barbecue sauce on top of the baked beans and, and mix Ooh. it in. That, Neutralize that it a little bit. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Next time. That. All right. So, Anyways. spring scrimmage yesterday. Before- before we get into that, oh, I usually ask how everybody's weekend was and stuff, but nobody cares. I, you guys are going to tell me you had a good weekend. It's fine. We're just trying to get on with our weekends. Uh, Florida State got a commit over the weekend, actually yesterday, from a 2024 quarterback. Um, Brendan needs help with his last name. <laughs> I need help with it. You go ahead and pronounce it. Richie, um, <laughs> you want to ask about this <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to ask about Luke Cromenhoek? I think that's, that's right, Cromenhoek. That's what that's what that's what we went with. Uh, Berg and I did yeah. on the bench today, and I think that's what Josh ended up landing with. So, Sometime. so tell us about 2024 Georgia QB Luke Cromenhoek committing to FSU yesterday. So he was actually on campus last summer. So remember, FSU had that huge start to the summer with like the mega camp and. Uh, one of their elite camps and whatnot. And he was towards the end of it when things had kind of trailed off a little bit. I remember I went out to help out Chris Knee when he was out at one of the smaller camps and he stood out like he's just six foot three, six foot four quarterback and uh, gets rid of the ball nicely, has a nice quick release, good footwork. And then we found out that he was only 2024. 20, like, oh, that's intriguing. So he, he's someone who like looked promising, has some upside. And I will say this, uh, and when you start doing research on him, he hasn't played like a ton of football. He's a backup quarterback this past year at Benedictine, Benedictine Military School in Savannah. Uh, they've that 
school sounds familiar to you guys, it's because it's the home of a pretty prominent quarterback in this past recruiting cycle, Holden Garnier, 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 uh, who who was uh, Florida State was actually his first offer a couple summers ago when Willie Taggart was the quarterback. Oh, TJ, I just saw, man, you made me isolated for this. I hate that so much. Um, <laughs> That's it. We do that on this one so that we can like clip up your answers and it's not just uh, all stupid in the background. So gotcha. Yeah. So you're not doing it just like you try to troll me on bourbon. Yeah, on yeah. Gotcha. No, we're, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a real thing here. <laughs> but so so Holden Garnier. <laughs> So he was offered uh, by Florida State back, I think it was in the summer of 2019 when Willie Taggart was there, and he hadn't had any starting experience at his high school at the time. And so he was kind of a, a project player. So it's kind of interesting that that Luke, I'm going to just call him Luke for the sake of this segment here, uh, and not try to butcher the last name, kind of following a similar footprint as a really uh, toolsy, like big, prototypical size quarterback who doesn't have a ton of experience and you're going to kind of see what he develops into. So I don't want to say project, but that's probably more so what we're looking at right now is a guy who has some unknowns to his game because he hasn't started, but has been behind a, you know, an Auburn quarterback signing for the last two years. So it makes sense. All right. So you're saying Kyle Trask. That's uh, we'll, we'll take that as our first quarterback commit for 2024. Um, real quick, just want to touch on it since we did just get a commit from Georgia, Kenyatta Watson, obviously leaving, going to Georgia Tech. How big of a deal is that? Because I feel like the, some of these off field hires, people like to make a big deal about it. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's, you know, you're not losing or getting any recruits because of it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to look at Richie. Like, I, I'm a fan of continuity. I think ultimately that's probably a good thing. Kenyatta certainly had value. He was well thought of within the program and beyond just helping out with some recruiting connections. Uh, you saw like he helped you get in the front door for Tyree West. Now you could have finished that. And that's you know, some people want to blame Kenyatta for that. Like, I mean, he's not the recruiting coach either. And there's multiple reasons why you don't win that that battle. Uh but he at least helped you with the Rolodex and, and well-connected in the state of Georgia. But he was also like well-regarded as someone who put a good uh, face on the program for like when college scouts or sorry, NFL scouts would come by to watch you know the, the college prospects at FSU. Uh, he was a good host, amenable. And, and so like he had value in that regard. So he's someone I, I think that you would have liked to keep, but he gets to move closer to home. Uh, it's a program that it, it's a little of a, Strange move because Georgia Tech probably doesn't have a ton of stability. Jeff Collins is firmly on the hot seat. Like if anyone has any thoughts about like the stability at Florida State with Mike Norvell, like it's far, 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 uh, far warmer in in Atlanta right now with Georgia Tech and Jeff Collins' job security. So, yeah, I don't know if that's going to be a job that is super stable for the next couple of years, but it, it is a promotion uh, in title. Uh, for Kenyatta so I think that's why he ends up taking the job and you know we'll see I guess what the next move is for him but I, yeah I don't think it rocks your recruiting foundation it would have been nice to keep him but I I'm not losing any sleep over over it to be honest yeah and it's like you've said it's whatever <laughs> um but Jarvis Brownlee want to get oh. on him real quick uh TJ and I spent a good bit of time talking about it last week on the podcast saying we just want a conclusion to everything because everything was kind of up in the air we got that conclusion he has entered the transfer portal seems like a mutual thing um i don't want to be the guy oh who cares we lost the guy that gave up touchdown to jacksonville state i i think he was a pretty good player and definitely contributed to this defense um where does florida state turn to uh, with him leaving who steps in because like i said i i do think he will be missed it is interesting because he yeah, there's this polarizing nature to fan base of, you know, okay, good riddance, he's gone. And listen, Jarvis didn't seem to handle things the best way on the way out. He seemed like he was very disgruntled. I know for a fact he was disgruntled. He was disgruntled with multiple things. And sometimes the relationship runs its course, right? It's just it's time to move on. And he'll probably land at a spot and be a starter at the Power 5 level or high-end Group of 5 school, I'm sure. Like, he'll have options. Because, Richie, like you said, there, there was some – inherent value to him as a player he had more than 800 snaps this past season that's that's a ton that's like the top 95th percentile for anyone at his position nationally so you played him a ton because you didn't have any options that were better than him last year now he did give up the jacksonville state touchdown uh, he had some moments that were pretty low uh, where he struggled in space and some of his athletic limitations showed up but 
also someone who's super aggressive and willing to come up and, and be a physical tackler. He had some missed tackles. Yeah. But uh, helped you out more than he hurt you. I think in the perimeter run defense, ultimately someone who played really hard and there is something to that. So how do you replace him? Again, you're replacing someone that had 800 snaps for you last season. What I will say is that the guys who are competing to take his reps weren't really in the fold last year for you. And I think that's more telling of the cornerback room in general of how you're trying to overhaul it and flip it uh, compared to what you had last year than it is like say that, that Jarvis was a great irreplaceable player. He's replacement level. So Renardo Green is a name. He's someone who's moved from safety back to cornerback and Honestly, he's looked pretty solid this spring. Key for him has been health. He hasn't been healthy for two years. Now he's been healthy for a stretch of four to five months. He'll be in position. Greedy Vance is a Louisville transfer who I think has had some ups and downs. I'm not super high on him, but I, I think he helps you out. Like if he's in the nickel role for you, and I think you can, can live with him there. And he's super, it kind of actually reminds me a lot of Jarvis where there's going to be highs and lows, but but plays really hard. Uh, and then ultimately, like I think you're looking at probably either Sam McCall or Zaria uh, Thomas as as someone who can help you by the middle point of the season, maybe jump in as a as a fresh much much like how Omori and Cooper did last year, and and that's Duke Cooper solidified as a starter. He's been really good this spring. Was really good at the end of the last year. Someone they're using as a building block, uh, and then uh, Kevin Knowles is the last name that I'll throw out there. But I think Kevin Knowles and Omari and Cooper are your two like solid surefire things that you know what they are in the secondary baseline. Uh, now you're just. You, those four other names are, are guys that you're looking at to see who replaces uh, Jarvis Brownlee in that three-man rotation in the nickel in the nickel uh, package. Did you guys see Fox News wrote an article about Brownlee holding out because of NIL and everything, and they cited Ingram in the null cast? I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's part of the like the and I, I did not see that article, but yeah, I know that narrative got put out there, and I don't. I'll be honest, like the NIL stuff was part of why he was disgruntled. I mean, he was public about that. That was on social media and checking with sources. Yeah. Like there were some issues with with NIL and kind of following up on some commitments on his end. But man, like NIL was something he wasn't happy with. And I told he wasn't super happy with like some of the coaching stuff and who was overseeing his position group. And uh, wasn't happy with some of the additions and guys who were like going to be competing for his spot this past year. So like I said, sometimes like in life, you're, it's just not working out. And when it's not, you just, everything makes you unhappy. And I think that's ultimately like why Jarvis wasn't at Florida state is he just wasn't happy anymore. And, and FSU kind of gave him the opportunity to, to figure things out. And I, I think he kind of realized he was better off moving, moving on. Yeah. yeah. Thing, um, real quick. I just want to, being a Orlando guy, Demory Tate, is, are we going to see anything out of him? Um, you know, I, you didn't mention him, but he's a guy out of freedom here in Orlando that, you know, could potentially step in. Is that, Rich, are you like, if you, school district, or would you be in the freedom area? Like if you were going to high yeah. school for you? Yeah, I'd, okay. be, I'd be district for freedom. All right. So uh, Demory has up to this point been pretty disappointing, right? Like he was a, a borderline five-star recruit. He was a blue chip guy. Uh Academic, academically ineligible his first year on campus. And then last year just was really kind of lost in the shuffle and never really distinguished himself in practice. This spring, he has, to me, shown more in just like six or seven practices than he has all of last year seeing your practices in person. Uh, he's someone I think that's going to compete to be in the rotation and push in the two deep. We'll see if that leads to actual like snaps in the season, but yeah, I entered the spring feeling like we were close to calling it and being like, ah, oh, it may not work out here. Uh, through six or seven practices, I'm like, okay, there's actually something there and maybe you'll still get something out of him. So uh, he has a chance if he keeps developing and keeps improving, which he seems to be doing right now. He seems to be building some confidence. Uh, that that length that he has and some of the athleticism, you know, at 6'1", 6'2", is hard to to teach. And I think he's starting to kind of realize how to how to utilize that size to his advantage and be a little more physical in coverage. So that that's starting to show is something that, again, not ready to to wave the white flag quite yet. Other side of the ball, we'll stop at the top. We'll start at the top of um, the depth chart. Quarterback, obviously, the most important position. You you wrote yesterday that there's kind of an internal belief that Jordan Travis has really kind of taken hold and mastering maybe even the mm -hmm. offense based on what you're kind of being told. Can you just talk about the quarterback room in general um, from 
not only yesterday's scrimmage, maybe start there with the scrimmage and then move on to there's been a lot of hype around Tate Rotomaker. And I'm not asking you to, you know, refute any of that hype or, you know, crap on a kid or anything like that. But can you just talk about your perspective on kind of where Tate is, where AJ is? And then, of course, Jordan, who we expect to start this year. Well, let's start with Jordan. And yeah, I wrote Master in the offense. And like, I'll be honest, guys, I mean, he's looked really good in the spring. And not always uh, dynamic, but like the, to steal a cliche here from the scouting community, like the floor has been raised in his game. And by that, like he, he doesn't commit turnover. He doesn't have turnover worthy plays in team drills. I don't think he's had any in, you know, in seven on or, or certainly 11 on 11. And that kind of followed through with the scrimmage from what I can understand on Saturday is he was one really sharp early on when they did red zone work and situational stuff. Like he got them into the end zone a couple times. So had a nice throw to the back of the end zone to Cam McDonald and then was able to keep the ball on an option uh, to kind of show the athleticism and the dual threat ability, right? That he can throw the ball in and run it. And then in team stuff, like I think the offensive line struggled early on and there were some drops, but he kept on making the right reads, kept on getting the team in a good spot. And eventually like the offense kind of figures it's, it finds its footing, figured things out. Uh, and he makes some really nice plays downfield. But again, he's keeping the ball away from defensive backs. He's not turning it over. He's just in he in the getting the guys in good plays. By that I mean, like we'll see that even in practice sometimes where he'll make a pre-play check and get them into a run. And it it's multiple times has led to like a 20-yard gain where like just there's a giant hole because he sees what the defense is running, gets them in a good spot, getting the ball in good accurate places where only his wide receivers can make plays on the ball. We'll get into that, but the wide receivers are making more plays on the ball. That's been one of the biggest developments of the spring, I think. Uh, so Jordan's just been very, very solid overall. Some days he's the best passer, like in one-on-ones and seven-on-sevens. Some days it's Tate Rotomaker, and as we'll get into Tate here. Uh, but, but Jordan has been by far like the best manager of the offense from start to finish so far this spring, or I guess start to midway point uh, where we're at so far this spring. Tate has been really good, guys. Like He's and I'm judging this, everything I say is like in the context. And I'll say this on my podcast too. Uh, and and on the message board, it's like everything that I'm talking about is the context of like seven-ish wins. Like, can you get to seven wins and then maybe overachieve and, and, and start talking about eight or so wins? But can you get bowl eligible, have a winning record? And talking about Tate in that regard, like if he's your backup quarterback, which right now, like that, that stands to reason, like he is going to be uh, the backup signal caller. Um He's been really, really solid. And last year, like there were times where he was not very good, right? So he he would just get lost at times in practice and just struggle with consistency. And we'd see that, you know, at times in his career when he was a freshman playing against Jacksonville State, kind of thrown into the fire and, and looked lost or last year's spring game. Um, but I think that we're seeing him kind of turn a corner a little bit and elevate his game. Now, is it enough to be like the, uh, be comfortable with him being your backup quarterback going into the season? Yeah. I'm not ready to to say that yet, but what I can say is like his a game has been really good this spring. He's managing the offense a little bit better. Uh, some turnover worthy plays yesterday, I guess, where the defensive backs had chances to get to the ball, but nothing uh, to my knowledge led to an interception. Uh, no, I'm trying to think of what I got from, sources i don't think so regardless um he's been good at getting the ball downfield again i'm not ready to to anoint him as like <laughs> someone who's who's legitimately pushing jordan travis I, I think that's a little too much but is he giving you some reason for confidence as quarterback too like i think that's a reasonable conversation to have um and then aj duffy's you know listen when he his his a game his good ball is really impressive i think some of the stuff is just still processing the game as a true freshman and you know he's someone who he should be in high school still. He should be a high school senior right now. So uh, he apparently had some dimes yesterday in the scrimmage. And if you see when things click for him and he's confident, he can get the ball downfield in a pretty precise manner. He actually has some nice mobility to him too. Uh, he He's not, he's not Biggie Knoll's tweet running in and out of, of, uh, of defenses weaving in and out, but he, he is indeed uh, fairly athletic to like kind of move around a little bit in the pocket and, and so, yeah, I think you feel decent about these three quarterbacks. I'm still a proponent, guys, of maybe having a fourth one if you can find some like that unicorn who kind of fits the mold in between a Tate and a Jordan Travis. Uh, whether you can find that or not, I don't know. But I do feel better about the quarterback room today than I did going into the spring for sure. And that's largely because Tate Rotomaker has elevated his play as quarterback too right now. 
And how much of that is just who these guys are throwing to, right? Because last Ooh, year yeah. they didn't really have a lot to work with, not to disparage that that room, but they've completely revamped it. Obviously, we talked about Winston Wright Jr. last week in that situation. Hopefully, he can have a speedy recovery. But who's standing out? Um, is it the transfers? Is it you know, Micah Pittman's and Johnny Wilson's, or do you have guys like Malik McCain and and Pokey Wilson stepping up? A little bit of yes to both of those, Richie. Like the. The, the wide receivers stepping up and elevating their play is helping out a ton. Uh, and Mike Norvell has talked about that uh, at times of spring, how that's helping out the confidence of the quarterbacks. I think Tate Rodemaker has said even like, I get the ball, I know I trust these guys. I put it in a spot, they're going to go up and get it. Uh, and Adam Fuller yesterday I thought was actually like really thoughtful on like, hey, sometimes uh, this happened on Thursday. At the end of Thursday's practice, like Tate, put the ball in a great spot three plays in a row and the wide receivers went up and made really good plays three times in a row. Uh, and the DBs were in good position. It wasn't them playing with bad technique uh, for what I get to, like. It was just, it, it was just a dime dropped in a perfect place and a wide receiver going up and making a play. And that's happening more and more this spring. I think that's why you're confident uh, with pretty much everyone you know, on the defensive backfield back other than, other than Jarvis Brownlee and Miko Dotson, like, their wide receivers are beating guys that they were losing to last year. And last year in camp, like we'd be watching the, the DBs generally win. And you're like, okay, I think the secondary might be pretty good. And then you come and find out against Notre Dame. It's like, ah, they're out of position a little bit more than you would like, or they're not turning around and getting, you know, playing the ball in a way that's, that's uh, productive. And you come to find out, it's like, oh, the wide receivers were just really bad last year. And there were practices last spring where, and they struggle to complete the forward pass. I think that's the big difference this spring is, you know, there may be a bad series or two, but there's not a bad practice with the passing game. Like it's not just this horrible, like dreadful, we can't move the ball at all kind of vibe to it. Now they, there are guys who will go and make a play if you are struggling. And and that is Johnny Wilson being really physical and using his, his size well, like that's shown well so far. Uh, Micah Pittman has had a good like three-day stretch where he's just making highlight plays every single day. Apparently he had a touchdown in Saturday's scrimmage. And again, it was another highlight play where you know, he gets a corner pattern against a, a corner one-on-one. Jordan Travis hits him in a good spot where only he can get it. But then he finishes off the play by running over a safety for a touchdown. And that's kind of the, the little extra something that you didn't have last year that, that maybe Pittman can bring in. But then Ja'Kai Douglas, Malik McLean, and Pokey Wilson have all been really good among the returners, especially Ja'Kai Douglas. Like He's probably been the most consistent player on offense uh, from day one through day seven of spring so far. Like Ja'Kai finished last year on a pretty high note and finding some confidence, and that just seems like that's followed through this spring. Him and J- Jordan Travis have a really good rapport. Uh, they've been very solid uh, together. And the other other guy that I want to shout out is uh, Darren Williamson. He's been really solid. He's one of my boys. I, I find a couple boys so I gra- gravitate to every spring uh, in-, in camp who like maybe kind of under the radar guys who can – who can turn into something and Darian is good for one big play at least every single day. And, and so he has a little something there. So yeah, wide receivers have been fun to watch a lot of fun. That's probably been the best, most pleasant development of the spring today is I, I think he got something there. Um, You wrote a little bit about Trey Benson, CJ Campbell going to the running backs. I feel like we're just doing every position group here, but yeah, uh, <laughs> um, is I know he won't do it, but could Mike Norvell could he end up having a gotcha moment with this fan base that gave him so much crap over Cherry Benson? And can he like just tweet like you know after like I would love if whoever's running Norvell's account, um, you know, against LSU when Benson runs off like an eighty-yard touchdown or something, if they would just tweet like "told you so" or <laughs> something like that. Is is that is that in the cards? Is it too early to tell? You talk about the running backs there. For uh, so his, Trey Benson's fine. Like when when they announced him when FSU sent out its press release for him. There was a quote from Mike Norvell that he was clearly like aware people were like the fan base was anxious about his injury. And they're like, Oh, he's a hundred percent. And you know, we feel really good about it. And and we were told like by sources at the time, it's like, Hey, he doesn't have extensive nerve damage or any nerve damage in the knee, which is huge. Like there've been injuries in the past, like say Keyshawn Helton with his knee injury, he's had some nerve damage and that ultimately like impacts your ability to recover quickly. And it, packs your ability we saw that mckenzie milton too it's like you may have some good days but then you may just have a bad day where you're, you're just your muscles haven't healed in the way like that they need to over a certain span you just don't have that that explosiveness that twitch that you need for a certain period of time that kind of comes and goes a little bit so uh, with trey benson no there was no nerve damage from that pretty serious knee injury in 2020 and last year at oregon 
like he didn't have a, a very productive year, but he played a lot of snaps on special teams. And given that he was less than a year removed from that knee injury, I think that was important. Uh, he did have a big knee brace though. And when he did run the ball, he didn't look particularly explosive. So that was the unknown that I had going into the, the spring was like, I don't know if he's, I didn't have concerns about him being healthy. It was more like, okay, how explosive is he going to be? And then we start hearing like, okay, that he's, he's testing well. And, and some of the GPS numbers are showing that he's hitting the highest threshold speed of any running back. And then you see him in spring and he looks okay. He's legit six one two fifteen as listed. Like that's what he looks like. And you see him move and you're like, oh, that looks a little different. Like he, he's running at a, at a level, like a, there's a fluidness to his game that you don't really see in 215 pound running backs. And then yesterday happens and he apparently was great yesterday. Like, I don't know if he was uh, like revelatory. I'm not saying he's like Dalvin Cook or anything like that. So please don't get it twisted, but he showed the ability to get, to bounce and get outside and be fast. I heard he was really good, like in short yardage stuff, which I think is a huge win for you. If you can trust him to be a power back in your rotation, picking up first downs, you know, on third and short or getting into the end zone uh, in the goal line. Like he had that in addition to having some of that, that big play speed where he can hit a 20, 30 yarder uh, on Tuesday's practice. He hit a 60 yarder around the corner uh, and showed a little speed. He offers something guys that no one else on the roster has, which is size and speed at the skill spot. You have Trayshawn Ward that runs really hard and, and has some speed, but but he's ultimately not going to be like a, a pile mover, short yardage guy for you just because he, there's some limitations with the size. Toe Philly has a lot of speed and agility, but certainly not a power guy. You have that, I think, with Trey Benson. So, yeah, I think you hit on, on that take in terms of him being someone who can help you elevate that position to some extent. There's going to be a role for him. And maybe, just maybe, he can be your feature back. I think that's on the table. That's a conversation we can have, but he's going to help you. Uh, CJ Campbell is someone you mentioned, TJ. Like that's another one of my my guys I'm going to fixate on on the spring and be like, oh, maybe there's something there that he can help you a little bit. He's been really good almost every single day where he does something impressive. And then uh, on Saturday, he had multiple touchdowns, including a 60 yard uh, touchdown pass from Tate Rotermaker, where I guess like the, I think it sounds like it was a lapse in the defense and there was a coverage uh, blown, but you know, good on Tate Roadmaker for finding uh, his his running back wide open, and you know, CJ does what he does, which is just capitalize on opportunity, catches the ball, turns on the Jets, and, and houses it. And he had multiple touchdowns on the day. And what I like is that CJ is not doing this just against like the scout team or something like that. Like he's he's producing and making plays against scholarship players and guys who are going to be playing on on Saturdays. And so I think that's important. And yeah, I don't know how much CJ helps you this season, but uh, he's following the Trayshawn Ward track of, you know, King of the Spring, who who I think will ultimately be someone who who gets on scholarship in the next year or so if he keeps progressing and is someone that you can maybe count on in, in your run game, you know, down the road a little bit. So I had a lot of concerns about the running back room going into the spring, uh, maybe more so than any position. That's been alleviated to an extent. I, I think there's a baseline of competency at that position group. I don't feel anywhere near as uh, concerned about that today as, as I did, you know, two or three weeks ago. Yeah, but when you lose um, when you lose Corbin, you like for Jordan to run a little less or run a little smarter. You just don't know who that number one's going to be. It can definitely hurt. Are you putting your money on like who, who's your number one right now? Like if you had I, a number one, I uh, I, I think it's tough. no. I think it'd be probably Trayshawn Ward. But I mean, like when Mike Norvell's offense is clicking the way he wants it to and it's in you know like the realm of like what memphis was a couple years ago there's three running backs that he'll use pretty evenly uh so i I think that's ultimately where you want to get to is like he doesn't want to give a guy the ball 20 times a game he wants to give it 15 12 10 or something like that so trayshawn ward and trey benson would probably be the top two front runners for me and i think lawrence still philly is going to be involved in that as well and they all do something different which is important too for that you know have that one, two, three skill set to kind of move them around a little bit. A couple more things and we'll get you out of here. Um, defensively, a couple of guys shine. Do you want to chat us through? We won't go position group by position group because we already chatted a little bit about the secondary, but talk to about some guys that shined yesterday and scrimmage yesterday. Tatum Bethune, that's another transfer that FSU adds. That seems to be a hit. Uh, he's UCF transfer and someone that, you know, Randy Shannon the linebacker coach and co-defensive coordinator had a familiarity with. They worked together at UCF and Randy recruited him out of Miami and helped develop him. And Tatum Bethune was really good for UCF last season. 
But the question was like, could he make the jump from the power five level? And Adam Fuller said yesterday that, that Tatum Bethune absolutely belongs at this level and having seen him in person. And then hearing that he was one of, if not the most impactful defenders yesterday during the scrimmage, feel really good about what he's going to do to stabilize that position group. And I think about Tatum is like, he, you don't, you don't look at him and be like, Oh, that guy's an NFL player. Like he, he doesn't look huge, but I mean, he's measurable. So he's six, one, two thirty or so. So he's not, you know, he's not undersized. He's probably about what you would want there or close to it. But what he does is he's very quick. Uh, you see him during like some of these cat and mouse drills in practice where he's turning, you have to run in, around a cone and, and then pursue uh, the offensive player and, and thud. And he turns the corner and, and runs around the cone faster than, than some of the skill guys do. And I think that's important that linebacker like to have quick first step and to be able to change direction quickly. And he can do that, but he's very instinctive. He knows where to go. And when he hits you, the play ends. And that's important. And I heard that on, on Saturday, he was getting into the backfield quite a bit or meeting guys at the hole and, and being, uh, being physical at the point of attack. And that's really like what you want at linebacker what that does is elevate the entire position group, right? If you have him as being your, your best player, which it seems like right now he'll be the best linebacker you have, then that means that Kalen Deloach might be your second best instead of your best. And Amari Gaynor might be your third and, or your, your fourth best guy instead of your third. And you have DJ Lundy instead of being your second best is now your third. Like, I think that's kind of what it does. Is it allows everyone else to, to have a role that's a little less pressure filled. And with that in mind, like I heard that Amari Gaynor had an awesome day yesterday and he's had a couple of good days in a row now. And like, maybe just maybe for him, he has all these physical tools and he's shown signs where he has really good games uh, in the past, but like under the staff, they haven't been able to quite find a role for him. And maybe just maybe like, he's kind of figuring that out a little bit because he apparently was all over the place on Saturday and maybe he's turning the corner. So maybe the lights coming on are turning on for him a little bit. So uh, Tatum Bethune, Amari Gaynor were two names. Uh, Jared Verse, I know everyone wants to hear about. Apparently he was really good on Saturday and, and disruptive and another guy who you know, he's a transfer. You're not sure how the transition is going to go as he goes from the FCS level at Albany to Florida state. But from what I've seen and, and then kind of hearing from the scrimmage yesterday, like he again is a guy who belongs at this level. I, I think he's someone who will eventually be playing on Sunday. Not to say he's going to be the Jeremy Johnson of coming to Florida state transferring and going from like a second round pick to all of a sudden being a, a top 10, 15 pick with how he performed in the season, how he tested, but as someone who I think will, will help you out a good deal this year. And in the next two years, probably be someone who will have uh, NFL draft potential, just a ton of speed. He fires off the ball, willing to be physical and supportive in the run game. So he's someone who's really good. I guess Akeem Dent had a good day as well. He had an interception and uh, totally had like maybe one or two missed assignments, but also uh, made some plays as well. So yeah, there, it sounded like the defense was the better of the two units by and large yesterday. Uh, Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper, you know what you have with those two inside, and and they were really good early on, and, and defensive front got the better of the offensive front throughout the day. Uh, but but by and large, there was a lot of competition as well, kind of some back and forth after that initial slow start from the offense. Uh, the defense, I think, did win the day from, from what I can understand. But, you know, guys, that's kind of what scrimmages are. Someone's going to win, someone's going to lose, and almost always the defense is going to be better than the offense on the first one. That's usually how that goes. Yeah, you, you like hearing that about verse. I mean, who who doesn't like a defensive end that can uh, is apparently just walking down Jordan Travis whenever he wants these days? Um, but yeah, <laughs> Jordan that. Jordan denies that, that that happened the way that it's been reported that it happened. Uh, verse did have a good angle on him, but the fact that he was able to get close to him on Thursday's practice, he didn't get close to him. He 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 tracked him down. But uh, regardless of the angle, Jared Verse has some athleticism. I think that's evident. Yeah, and you mentioned the the defense front kind of got the better of the offensive line. How how the, has the offensive line looked uh, to this point in spring practice? And uh, do we finally have some depth to where not just a starting five that you like, but if one or two of those guys go down, you you're not putting in people who probably don't belong uh, playing in the ACC. I'm not ready to call that yet, Richie. I, the way I describe it is, I think you have this is how I would describe it, is you have four guys. I think you feel good about that you're like okay we know who they are we know there's this level of competency to them and we can trust them i think you probably have two more guys or so who you feel okay about so it's not enough to be like oh we feel good about our entire starting five but at least i think have six in your rotation and to me that would be uh robert scott i think has been really good this spring he's taken another step forward which is encouraging 
Dylan Gibbons, you know what he's going to be uh, at this point. He's very solid. Uh, Maurice Smith and Caden Lyles are going to battle for the starting center position. I think it's ultimately going to be Caden Lyles. Uh, part of it's going to be how Maurice Smith develops physically during this offseason uh, and whether he's someone who can you know, maintain almost 300 pounds and, and keep that on. But he'll have a chance to. Uh, Darius Washington's playing a little bit more inside. And they've talked about wanting to move him around some. I think you feel good about what you're going to have with Darius long term. And then after that, so you're trying to figure out, okay, who's who's your your reliable guy at the other tackle spot? Is that going to be Bless Harris or is that going to be Lloyd Willis? Right now, I would lean to Bless Harris has been a pleasant surprise this spring. I don't know if I feel good about him starting, but he's someone who jumps up from the FCS level and he plays with strong hands, a decent footwork too. There's something there, uh, more so than I thought. Honestly, I thought coming up from Lamar, watching some of his his games at that level, I wasn't super impressed, but he's taken to coaching. He's taken on to this weight program. Looks good. Uh, I think if he was like your sixth guy, like off the bench, if you, or your first guy off the bench, your sixth guy in the rotation, your swing tackle, I'd feel really good about where you're at. Uh, I just, I, I don't know whether I'm ready to say, okay, I buy in as Bless Harris as a potential starter. And I don't think Lloyd Willis is quite there yet. So yeah, I, I think you have some, some decent answers at spots that you didn't have last year. I, I think you know, maybe had three starters that you trusted last year, so you're ahead of the game there. I think if Bless Harris is your backup, that's a much better spot than you were in last year when you were kind of getting into the the weeds a little bit with like Brady Scott having to play a significant steps or or hurt baby on Johnson. I don't think you're going to have that with drop off with Bless Harris. I do think Richie, as we're looking at the spring right now, based on how things are developing, if you can find a borderline competent tackle to either be identical as bless Harris from a skill production standpoint, or just, uh, I mean, if, if you can get an upgrade, that'd be great. But even if you get someone about the same skill level as bless Harris and at least have those two as options that you feel like, okay about, I think that would make me feel and feel a lot better alleviate some of the, some of the concerns I have about the offensive line. So to answer your question, it's kind of moving in the right direction. We're not quite at the spot where I'm like, Oh, this is going to be an average power five offensive line. Yet. I don't think we're quite there. I think we're almost there. Got to see what Florida State does the rest of the offseason. If you can add one more guy uh, via the portal and kind of solidify it. Awesome. Um, hey, if you're watching this, if you're listening, if you could do us a favor, if you appreciate um, what you're viewing here or listening to, if you could just hit the share button, we would certainly appreciate it. Um, hit the like button or if you're on YouTube or subscribe. We won't always have somebody as good looking as Brandon Sinone on this show, but we did today. And so that should go a long way to. Um, you know, you guys supporting us. Last thing I have, Brendan, and then we'll get you out of here. Um, you mentioned Jermaine. I know you're kind of a draft uh, fiend. Is that a good word? Draft fiend? I know you I, love the I, NFL draft. I, I, I'm definitely I a draft. Make you can call me a nerd on it. That's fine. Draft wizard. I like wizard um, a ton. Um, draft wizard, Brendan Sinone. Spicy Sinone. Uh, I don't know if you noticed <laughs> that I changed your name down there at the bottom, but I did. Oh, did you? Thanks um, for doing that. You're, you're very welcome. Um if you guys have any quick questions for Brendan, by the way, we, we are, I don't want to keep him too much longer, but we are live on YouTube and Facebook. The comments actually work there. So if you have good questions for Sinone, if your questions suck, we won't ask them. But talk to us about um, what you expect, you know, project uh, Jermaine and Kier and, and Jay Sean for us, and then we'll get you out of here. Yeah. So Jermaine Johnson has solidified himself as definitely a first round pick at this point. I don't think that's in doubt anymore because he had such a great one, the senior bowl. He was really, really good at so good. He had such a strong week at practice that he didn't even play in the game. He was like, I, I think we're good here. Like, I don't, there's no point to play in the game. My stock's pretty much been solidified. Then he took that and he combined it with a really good showing at the NFL scouting combine tested like in the 90th percentile athletically, like his athletic grade was really, really high. So you have, a very good senior year production. Then you have the senior bowl where you're going up against NFL quality offensive linemen drill after drill. And he more or less dominated that. And then you have a dominant performance at the NFL combine. And that's made him depending on like what mock drafts you follow and you believe like anywhere between a top five to top 15 overall pick. I think top five seems a little strong, especially it's such a deep defensive end class. Like they're, they're talking about maybe two different defensive ends or three different defensive ends ahead of him already, like going in the top five. So teams might say, hey, we can wait a little bit and take him if he drops into the teens. But I think by and large, like you'll hear him in the first 15 picks of the NFL draft. And, and if not top 15, definitely by top 20. Like he's he's really good and it's kind of uh, to steal an NFL scouting combine or a scouting uh, term. 
uh, he checks all the boxes. So he, he does, he hits a lot of what you want in a defensive end. Garrett Thomas, you know, he didn't, he wasn't invited to the NFL scouting combine. And it was a little bit of a disappointment because a multi-year starter in the SEC. And then obviously his past year at Florida state, you think he would have a chance to one, he had to probably get some medicals done because he had a previous knee injury at South Carolina. The two, again, you have his level of production. You would assume that he gets looks uh, at the combine. The issue for him that I think he's going to run into, and that's why this pro day is going to be big, is to test his athleticism. I do think there's going to be concerns about what position he plays in the NFL. And even though like defenses have really skewed to hybrid schemes and hybrid type of defenders, uh, what does Kier do particularly well? Well, he's a decent edge setter, and he's impactful when he pass rushes inside. But the issue is like he's not super athletic to be a, a full-time edge defender in the NFL, and he's not big enough to be consistently inside. So you know, kind of like similar to like what Demarcus Walker has kind of struggled with at times in the NFL, finding like a full-time home. Is he an outside guy? Is he an inside guy? Does he do anything well enough to to be an every-down player? Uh, then when you factor in that Kier's played college football for five or six years and has an injury background as well, like I just I think that's probably gonna keep teams from drafting him. I assume he'll probably be someone who, unless he comes out and tests extremely well on Tuesday during FSU's pro day, it makes you kind of turn your head a little bit, kind of like what Janarius Robinson did. Uh, and same with Joshua Kendo. Those guys tested so well that their upside athletic profile with their length and size, like teams took flyers on them in the fourth round, despite college production, not being great. Akir uh, has better college production than either of those guys, but because he doesn't have the physical tools or length or size, I probably doesn't get drafted is what I'm trying to say, uh, unless he does something pretty special coming up this week. Definitely a guy who I think gets invited to camp though, and, and we'll have a chance and we'll see if it goes from there. Uh, Jay Sean Corbin didn't run at the NFL scouting combine. So it's going to be a big week for him. If he can kind of get in the four, I had someone tell me that they thought he can hit low four or fives. And if that's the case of being somehow getting a four, four range, I think that gives him a chance to get drafted, but it is a really deep running back class. Uh, and Jay Sean, it does everything well, but not elite at one tool, you know, one skill set thing. So we'll see if he can, you know, maybe get drafted late on day three, but yeah, I'm not super optimistic that we see him get drafted unless he, you know, performs really well on Tuesday and your runs four 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 forty or something like that. Then, then I'll have a chance. So yeah, that's NFL draft FSU guys. See, you guys didn't even know you were getting that today. Um, I didn't know I was going to be doing it. Yeah, well, way to be ready at all times. Thanks. In season and out of season for the biblical reference there. Um, Brendan, where can people find more of your work? Where can they check out what you're doing? Tell them about your 16 podcasts and your eight websites and everything else, and then we'll kick you out of here. Yeah, you can uh, find me at Twitter uh, or on Twitter. Is it at Twitter or on Twitter? On Twitter? Yeah, on I think. Twitter. Yeah, on yeah. Twitter at. On Twitter at B-S-O-N-N-O-N-E, B S O N N O N E, Knowles 24 7. You can check out where where I write and where I do podcasts and whatnot. I'm much better on paper than I am on podcasts, but we do have a popular podcast called On the Bench. You can check that out. We did a scrimmage scoop as well between uh, Josh and myself, and what both of us were hearing uh, after Saturday's scrimmage. So you can check that out as well if you want more scrimmage content after this one. And then uh, maybe you've heard of it, Bourbon on a Budget. We're doing Buffalo Madness on Monday's show. Look, I got all these Buffalo Trace products here, TJ. Beautiful Buffalo Trace products, and it's the final four. We're going to see which one of these bad boys takes the crown. We lined this up pretty well. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing a final four. We started with what? We started with 16? Started with 16 12. different bourbons? 12. 12. Yeah, we had some buys. Yeah. Started with 12 different bourbons. Um, down to a final four we line that up with this week's final four championship will be next Monday night. I think we're gonna do it like 7 PM. So that it's before the game, which it's stupid that the game is that late, but we, t we lined this up really well. We don't do many things very well except for drink, uh, but we lined this up really well. So check out Burma budget. It should be fun. Um, and go follow Brendan Sinone. Yeah. Brendan, I feel like you get the most crap out of everybody on the entire beat. Thank you. Um, the most undeserved crap. Some people deserve the crap they get, uh, but the most undeserved crap on the beat. But I think you're, you're at least in my top like ten or so people on the beat. So I, I do want to say that. Like I'm I really not sure there's that many credential media members on the beat. But <laughs> thank you. I'm in. No, I'm in. No, I'm no. admittedly an easy target, and you know people like low hanging fruit. So I'm yeah. sweet and juicy at the bottom of the tree. What can I say? You are sweet and spicy. As spicy. Well. Uh, spicy to know. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. 
Um, I'll see you tomorrow when we record on budget. And God bless. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> see you, bud. Uh, Brendan Snow, Knowles247. I like Brendan a lot. He does get a lot of crap, but I mean, obviously I do a podcast with him, so I guess I have to like him. But Harlan, Harlan's not even on screen. But Harlan, you hung out with Brendan. Brendan's cool in person. Um, Harlan shook his head. Yes, he shook his head up and down. So a yes from Harlan off screen. Um, all right, real quick. Um, if you're still on here, if you're still listening, if you're still hanging out with us, um, Garnet and Gold, you need to go check them out. Um, you can use code NOSLAW at garnetandgold.com and get 20% off of your order. They just released a Gene Deckerhoff shirt. Did you see that, Richie? Did you see that Gene Deckerhoff shirt that they put out? The voice? Um, yeah. It's a good-looking um, shirt. Fantastic. That is what I'm going to wear to the spring game, like, without a doubt. Um, Richie, and I do want to tell you guys this, the 20% off code doesn't work for the Gene Deckerhoff shirt. Just buy it anyway. It's like 20 bucks. It's not a big deal. It doesn't work. I'm going to tell you. I'll even tell you guys why. Garden Gold told me. It doesn't work for that because they'd already agreed upon a – uh, a profit price with gene and they can't like cut that down and give gene less. <laughs> uh, and you know, some of that money is being donated, you know, so like it doesn't work for that, but hats, this, like these state of Florida hats, these are the best. Hat. Like I love this logo so much. This specific hat is not on there. Sorry, but they've got a ton that are like this, like kind of the trucker style that is really popular. Go check out garnetandgold.com. Their vault store is fantastic. I love all the, I'm not like team old logo. I do like the new logo a lot, but I like the vintage looking stuff. So like, I like the older look, like the FSU interlocking old looking logo is really, really cool. Go check out garnetandgold.com. No slaw gets you 20% off. Use that at checkout. Um, if you haven't gotten your spring gang outfit yet, you need to get that done. You need to get that and get it wrapped up. So that it's delivered and you have it ready to go. Richie, you're not even going to the game, but like you'll wear FSU clothes. Do you have your spring game outfit? Like I know you'll watch it. Do you have your spring game outfit already picked out? Have you shopped yet? Are you going to go to Garden and Gold? Like what's going on with you? Yeah, spring game. I'll, I'll be wearing my Masters polo and maybe I'll throw on the uh, my uh, FSU uh, golf course hat. All right, very good. Um, Shout out Clint, the guy who on Sunday. Helped build just the wear course. your Masters polo on Sunday. This is your only you, chance you to think wear I only have one. This is your only chance to wear an FSU shirt where you know we won't lose when we're playing. This is true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it feels like a great time. So again, no slot. I'll probably throw one on. I'm wearing a Leonard Hamilton shirt today for the Elite Eight. So <laughs> yeah, I'll say I like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm still FSU, even though we're not playing. So um good stuff. Check out gardengold.com. Again, the code is no slaw. I'm going to do a, a quick around the horn, and then, Richie, I don't know if you have anything else, but then we'll get out of here. Um, college basketball has been great. Shout out, Coach. I, again, I know that – well, no, all of you FSU football fans are Duke basketball fans. That's fine. Shout out, Coach K, making the Final Four. I, I don't know. Let me ask you this, and then we'll do an around the horn. But are you – did you like that Coach McKay made the Final Four last night? Were you, like, anti – like, I kind of like it. I don't like Duke. Like, I've cheered against Duke way more than I've ever cheered for them, but – it was a cool moment. I, mean, I don't care about Arkansas. I'm not cheering for the SEC. And I'm not an ACC guy either. I, I screw them. But, like, I don't know. I thought it was a cool moment that Coach K made the Final Four. What do you think? I mean, it's a cool moment. I, I don't want him to win it. But, you know, it's cool he got there. I would love to see heartbreak. I'd love to see St. Peter's beat Carolina today and then beat Duke, as unlikely as that is. But um, if we get a Duke-Carolina Final Four, that's never happened before. So that that would be They've pretty never cool even played in the tournament before. the rivalry. Really? I yeah, they've know. never even played in the tournament before, which is crazy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm conflicted on that game. Um, I think I'm going to be cheering for St. Peter's because I can't not. But, yeah, like, if North yeah. Carolina wins, if, if North Carolina wins that game, just the buildup and the hype around that Final yeah. Four game, we're coming to Orlando next week. Saturday is Kara's birthday. But we're going to have the kids, so we'll be in. Like, we won't – like I'll, so I'll get to watch it. Usually we go out on her birthday, and so I don't get to watch one of the Final Four games. <laughs> Um, but like we'll be home or not home, but we'll be out at a hotel, you know, the kids will be down. So the hype around a Duke Carolina final four game, like you thought, you thought Krzyzewski's last game at Duke was something that will be on another planet. I mean, like that will be amazing. I would expect Duke to win. Like I expect Duke to win 
their final four game either way. Like, I don't know if you have a strong lean in that game, but I, I don't think Carolina gets them again. I think they're incredibly hot, and I think they're playing the best basketball in the country right now, without a doubt. I think Nova looks good. I think Miami looks good. But I think Duke is playing the best basketball in the country, and I expect them to win their final four. I don't know how they match up against Kansas. I don't know how they match up against Villanova. Um, but I do think that – I think they make the championship game. Do you, I mean, you think they beat St. Peter's or UNC, right? I mean, obviously crazy things happen, but like if you had to bet on it right now, you'd take Duke, right? Yeah, the way they're playing, I think they're probably the hottest team in the tournament. Well, um, and then like I said, I mean, I don't know. I I like Bill Self a lot. I like Kansas, so we'll see. I don't, you know, I don't know. I if Duke wins, I won't feel that bad about it. I like Coach K. All right, quick around the horn, and we'll get out of here. Um. Dude, we're going to start – we're going to show some love. This is a wild one. But I got a message a few months ago, and I didn't do a good job of following up on this. And one of my buddies' sons plays on this team, and it's a, a team that gets absolutely no love in Tallahassee. Um, we've never talked about him before, unless I was just out of my mind and, and didn't remember. But FSU has a rugby team. Did you know this, Richie? Yeah, yeah. Club FSU rugby. has a rugby team. It's a club team. All right, so it's not a scholarship – program it's not you know it's a club team but this program gets no love and we are here to give love to the unlovely (laughs) um they finished with an undefeated season which clinched them first place and a first round by and home field advantage they will host the lowest seed in the tournament on four nine which is also the spring game i'm kind of hoping that's a morning thing so i can go out i don't know anything about rugby i don't know how the scoring works I don't know how the play works. I don't know anything. But I'm hoping that's a morning thing so that I can go out to it. Um, they have a second squad as well. That team will be playing the University of Louisiana Lafayette on 4-2. So this Saturday, uh, we'll be using that to determine who's going to make up the bench for the semifinal matchup, which, again, is that uh, it would happen after that 4-9 uh, matchup. They had a freshman on the team, Max Larson, who clinched the regular season scoring title. He had 66 points in five games, so he played one less than everyone else, but still outscored everyone. Um, he had never played rugby until this year. So a little bit of love for FSU's rugby team. Again, we're here to show love to the programs that don't get love. We just did 50 minutes on football. You guys can put up with uh, two minutes of me giving our rugby club team a little bit of love. But hats off to those guys again. Message, let, I'm going to message them back. I need to know when that is. Harlan, we might be going to a rugby match on, on spring game Saturday morning, depending on how, how uh, proof and ology treat us on the night before. But um, we uh, hats off to those guys. Undefeated regular season, even, even for a club program, that's super impressive because everybody else is out there competing too. So another, uh, another undefeated season, something that UF has never had. So um, – Around the horn real quick, FSU baseball won both of the first games of their series against Duke. Um, they've stayed hot. I did kind of a fun tweet thread. Shout out Harlan again for his help with that. But FSU's starting pitching, their weekend starting pitching, has been absolutely phenomenal. Their case per nine innings is ridiculous and by far leads the rest of the country. Parker Messick was added again on Friday night, throwing 14 strikeouts over seven innings. Bryce Hubbard got the win last night. They go for the sweep against Duke today, I think at noon. I think that's when that um, first pitch is. So, um, either way, shout out FSU's baseball team. Softball swept FIU in a doubleheader yesterday. Um, Michaela Edenfield hit her 12th home run, and Lonnie Almeida got her 800, 800th coaching win last night in the second win in that doubleheader. Volleyball went 2-1 and one on the day at the uh, – I think it's like the LSU – clash or it's just the lsu tournament that's happening right now finish the day two and one a loss to number two tcu a win against tampa but a win late at night against number six lsu on their home courts um florida state was down in that world tied it was two to two they play first to three and they had to come back in that third one to get the win and they did it kind of in dramatic fashion. Last, you know, every other match was finished up. Everyone was watching quarter two, and Florida State ended up winning it in the third game in of that 
um, duel. Women's tennis upset number 10 Duke on Friday night, a massive upset. Women's tennis has been kind of up and down. They've been plagued with injuries. They had to concede two of the courts, and so they literally started out the game. Well, one court was decided before they started. Another uh, girl had to retire early. Not sure if due to injury or what the situation was there, but had to stop early. She struggled with injury somewhat this year. So they basically started out the match down 2 nothing. Ended up winning 4-2 to two in a massive, massive upset of a top-10 program. The ACC is far and above the best conference in women's tennis. And so a huge, huge win where really everything was clicking um, to beat number 10 Duke. They play number one UNC today at noon. Um, see if they can kind of keep the magic going. Men's tennis beat Tennessee Tech over the weekend as well. Um, in a match that just wasn't very close at all. 6-1 final there. Uh, we haven't talked about it, but I have a shout-out, and we'll get out of here, Richie. Coach Sue um, hanging it up. That happened after – it happened while I was on the – it was while I was recording Bourbon on a Budget the other day. We didn't do that live. We recorded it at about 3 p.m., which is about when the announcement came out. And uh, that came out, and I couldn't even say anything about it because Brendan, I didn't want to like have to download the audio and then upload it later. So I had to sit there for 30 minutes and then afterwards say, Sue Tamarell just retired. So hats off to Coach Sue. She has been more than gracious to this podcast and our platform, not only allowing us to interview her a couple of times, but Coach Brooke a few times, um, interact with their athletes and, and different things. So love everything Coach Sue has done, not only for FSU, for women's athletics and the athletics program in general at Florida state. So sad, you know, kind of like we talked about with Jean, very happy with her for her. Um, but also a little bit sad that, you know, she won't be leading our program anymore. Um, Cause she was an absolute pleasure to, to be around, to interact with and, and to develop even just a small relationship with, um, I, I love when big announcements like this are made and different things happen. And then you just see the outpouring of response that um, the rest of the FSU community and the women's basketball community in general had for coach Sue really, really good stuff. And, you know, when you talk about, she was the longest tenured coach at FSU um, at this, you know, current coaches. And when you talk about, you know, nobody ever had a bad thing to say about coach Sue it stinks and we're going to certainly miss her, but I know you've interacted with her for years and years and you've told funny stories about, you know, the cutouts and the pizza and different stuff that she's done for you over the years. But again, happy for her, but crappy news. Cause I'm, 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 I'm uh, selfishly, you know, not thrilled. It may lead to a, a pretty fun era coming um, with hopefully we, we know who will replace her, but, uh, I don't want to look forward. I just want to kind of honor Coach Sue with what we talk about today. Yeah, it's an absolute legend. You know, we meet when the first time he came on the podcast, he said, you know, all the coaches respect each other, but when Sue walks into the room, she's the one that commands respect. Um, wish her the best, you know, very unselfish. Unlike Coach K, she doesn't want a retirement tour uh, with everyone telling her how great she is, but she's going to get it anyway. She is an absolute legend at Florida State, and I wish her nothing but the best in her retirement. So hats off to Coach Sue. Um, shout out all of the FSU athletics. Again, there's a lot of teams competing today. We talked about baseball closes out their series against Duke women's tennis. Again, UNC at noon. Um, beach volleyball is playing right now against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Houston Baptist, they play later today. And then the Lady Knowles um, on the golf course today. They start the day in fifth and uh, tee off here in just a little bit. Uh, Florida's in third, so it'd be nice to get um, to at least pass them and get in that top three, but they are at the Clemson Invitational and currently in fifth. That's all I've got for today, Richie. We do have a pop-up episode tomorrow night. Um, it's not a pop-up because it is pre-planned. I'm just not saying who it is in case they back out, but a fun pop-up episode for you guys tomorrow evening. Could have more this week. We'll see um, what happens, but other than that, I don't have anything else. You got anything else, Richie? Any other shout-outs? I'm using Coach Shoot for my only one today. I feel like Nothing shouting today. anyone else Nothing out today. is disrespectful. <laughs> I feel like, you know, oh, shout-out my mom who did this. Yeah, yeah, we'll just give this to Coach Sue. 
All right, we will see you guys tomorrow night when we have a pop-up episode. Thank you for hanging out. If you could do us a favor and interact with us on social media, we appreciate it. It's Double Fries, No Slaw, Double Fries Pod. We appreciate you guys. Good luck to all of our athletes competing today, and go Noles.